You're listening to the Aligned Action Podcast, the show that helps baffled beginners and even experienced entrepreneurs set intentions, attract ideal clients, and make meaning and money using real-life examples, an interactive teaching style, and in-episode experiences. I'm your host, Chantelle, an educator-turned-web designer and aligned business mentor at Clear Quartz Creative. Together, we'll get past your playing small patterns and transform your all-over-the-place ideas into exciting possibilities so you can get the clarity you want, have the alignment you need, and embody the steps to grow your business your way. So take a deep breath, settle in with intention, and let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the April 2023 Alignment Report. In alignment news this April, I have been thinking about the concept of a minimum standard of care question. Have you read Fair Play by Eve Rudsky? She wrote it in the context of families and the invisible work that goes into running a household. Jeff and I read the book together and our intention was we were going to use it to just improve our intentions around family and work and how that all goes together since we both work from home. But it's also made me think about the applications of that idea beyond the household as well. I super recommend the book and probably her Unicorn Space book too, although I haven't read that one yet. Anyways, tangent alert, I should probably explain to you what minimum standard of care is. So the concept is that with each task, let's use dishes as an example. In order for all members of the household to be happy, to coexist well, they need to agree on a minimum standard of care. So on a logistical level, is the task complete when the dishes are washed, dried, put away right away? Or is washing them and letting them drip dry also acceptable? Which side of the sink is the dirty side? Which side is the clean side? Who does things like taking care of making sure that when they go to the grocery store, they buy soap so there's enough soap on hand? Um... Do you agree on what goes in the dishwasher? What doesn't go in the dishwasher? So minimum standard of care with dishes as an example means deciding what everyone in the household is going to accept and what they're going to adhere to as a minimum standard of care. In our household, I tend to do the dishes, mostly because I am terrible at loading the dishwasher. Have you seen that meme where it says how in every couple there's one person who loads the dishwasher like a Scandinavian architect and the other person does it like a raccoon on meth? I'm 100% the raccoon. So my solution to this problem is just to hand wash things that people haven't put in the dishwasher yet. I will unload the dishwasher because it's it's hard to mess that up. But for the most part, I do the dishes in the sink and everyone else in the household does the dishwasher aspect of things. One of the bonuses why I like doing the dishes is that the kids will steer clear of me when I do that because... They don't want to have to participate in cleaning. So it's a good activity for me to do when I need a minute, you know. Anyways, the minimum standard of care for us is that the dishwasher runs once a day. It gets emptied once a day. There's always at least an extra box of tabs under the sink. There's always an extra bottle of dish soap. It's totally acceptable to air dry dishes on the clean side of the sink, which is the left side. And we mostly share all of those tasks equally with the division of labor just being that I do the hand washing stuff and Jeff does the dishwasher stuff. And that's that. Recently, I have been thinking about how this idea of minimum standard of care, how I could apply that to my business, like each aspect of my business. What constitutes done? What is considered good enough? What can I count as an actual check mark 
to take something off my to-do list. Not in terms of division of labor, because my business is still 100% me. Just between me and me, when do I consider something done? With the podcast, that's starting to look like a podcast episode is considered done when I've recorded it, edited it, written the show notes, and it's scheduled at least a week ahead in my software, preferably a month ahead. And then also when I've scheduled it to be shared on my email list. Now, at some point, that minimum standard of care is probably going to include something like posting each episode to LinkedIn, posting it to Instagram, etc. For right now, I'm happy if those other steps are complete. It's what I can handle in this season. That's my minimum standard of care for podcasting in my business. So think about the various tasks within your business. What is considered complete for you? Can you apply this concept and think, what would you consider done? At what point can you let something be called good enough? Something to think about this month. Something to chat about too. If you want to email me about it, I'd love to hear how you feel. My email is hello at clearcourtscreative.co. If this is something that you find interesting and you want to chat with me about it, send me an email. I'd love to read it. Another alignment point for me is that I officially began my market research for issue number three of Facet, which goes live at the beginning of July. This time around, I switched up my routine a little bit and I polled my Facet subscribers first before putting it out to my larger audience. So I just felt like asking a smaller core audience might give me some better results. And it feels better because when I ask subscribers to weigh in on a topic, it just makes sense because then I'm getting opinions from the exact people I'm serving, the actual readers of Facet, rather than from a larger audience who maybe has or hasn't opted in yet. I asked 12 questions this time around, all revolving around the topic of choosing a platform. By that, I mostly mean social media and marketing platforms. The focus of the issue is not so much on teaching tips and tricks. It's more about making good platform choices in the first place, finding platforms where your target client is actually spending time, and then choosing platforms that you genuinely enjoy using from your own point of view. I did my market research in close friends first, so that's facet subscribers only on my close friends. And then I did put it out to my regular IG stories as well. As responses came in, I plugged them all into a Google Sheet and then I reference that as I'm writing and as I'm designing Facet. For me, it doesn't feel like the next issue has really begun until I have that spreadsheet going. Although I've done some research, I feel like it isn't really real until I've got this spreadsheet with all of the market research responses back. I love referring back to it because I turn little comments into complete articles. That's where I get the ideas from. Every learning experience inside Facet comes from something that starts in this spreadsheet. For example, one of my questions this time was, describe how you made your decision about which platforms to use to market your business. A response that I got was, I decided based on how fun the platform was for me to use. So first of all, yay, love this mindset. I can totally see why this person is a Facet subscriber because they fit right in. I look at this response and I start to ideate around, okay, how can I find a home for it inside this print issue? The first idea that I had was, okay, maybe I can create some kind of like fun calculator for each platform, or maybe this idea is gonna wind up in there in terms of a fun factor that I can plug in for each platform. I'm not sure yet. This stage is so fun for me because I get to be basically like Willy Wonka on the Chocolate Factory. I get to use my imagination to bring these concepts to life and try to teach them to you in a way that is interesting and provokes thought. Another point of alignment for April was, again, my action call subscriptions. This keeps surprising me how much I'm loving these. I have a small core group of action call regulars who are on an auto renew. So that's two calls with me, one on one per month. This month, some of the things I mentored on were questions around should an entrepreneur blog on Etsy where their shop is, or should they blog on Squarespace where their website is? I also fielded some questions about Pinterest SEO and how that platform can be used to generate traffic. I designed a digital pamphlet for one of my subscribers. This was really fun. We designed it for 
her to send to someone who's offering to be a referral source for her. And so we worked through that design on the action call. We were in Canva. We chose which images. We repurposed copy from the website. We picked a testimonial. We added a statistic and and we made a QR code that links to a discovery call. So all of this is on a PDF. Super fun hour from my brain. A bit like designing a website page and a bit like designing Facet, honestly. It was like a fun hybrid of print and digital marketing. With another client, I got to support her on a seasonal launch. So I helped her update her scheduler. We reworded some of her copy and then we cleaned up the writing of some of her policies. I love that action calls are different every time based on whatever my client currently needs in the moment. So I just get to pop in and accelerate a part of what they're doing. So sometimes that's helping them get unstuck by providing guidance. Sometimes it's solving tech problems they're having. Almost every call a client says to me, I can't believe how fast you're doing this. If it was just me on my own, I'd still be working on it a month from now. The benefit of getting one-on-one support is exactly that. You are one person working on your one business. I'm one person working in hundreds of businesses. There's a lot of crossover in these skills. So in essence, I've practiced already what needs to happen in your business. I've practiced it in so many other places that when it comes to doing it for you, I've already found the fixes. I already know the shortcuts and I'm able to move faster for it. A common link between my action call clients is that you tend to be slightly older than me demographically sometimes. I do attract the tech uncertain but willing to learn crowd. My action call clients also tend to be a different energy type than me in human design. Many of my clients are projectors. They just want access to my manifesting generator sacral energy. It gives them a boost, gives them some gas in the tank to keep working for the next few weeks on their own. So if you fit into either of those categories or any other category where you think you'd benefit from an action call, I'll put the link in the show notes if you want to try one of those out for yourself. On to a few other aligned items in April. The most energizing thing I did this month by far was attend an open exhibit at the Faculty of Architecture. Very random, I know. I'm going to explain. This is just like the dishes tangent but a little bit different. So the exhibit was on a Friday night and they had two whole buildings of displays. There were like models, projects, installations, books hanging from the ceiling. It was very, very cool. Students and their families and friends were there and the whole event was completely buzzing. So important to know, architecture is kind of a niche interest of mine. I have no skills in it, but I wish I did. And I do find there's a lot of crossover with design. Beyond that, an event like this is so me. If you look at my human design chart, I probably would be into this no matter what niche the show was in because of the things in my chart. So I'm going to go through those and just explain it a little bit. So first, as a manifesting generator who likes to move from project to project, literally, if I take three steps to the left, I'm standing in front of something completely different. That is how I love to experience the world. And then as someone with possibility view, I love seeing different possibilities. A lot of these projects were set up in a way that the students were given one one space to design in their own way so that like any given space would have 20 different possible ideas. One was like a redesign of a local restaurant. The students were supposed to redesign it into a Nordic center. So what their interpretation of that would be. And another one was a local warehouse space where they were supposed to reimagine it as a type of library. There was like a seed library, a music library, a fabric library, a maker library, a resource library, like so many cool ideas just lighting up all of those possibility receptions in my brain. As someone with a view in human design of direct light, looking at projects and looking at models with different layers and like they weren't really closed on the top. So depending on which way you looked at it, like top down or side perspective, you could see the light filter through 
And then, of course, the designs were often created with maximum light in mind. Sometimes it would even say, okay, this is the view at sunset. Anything like that related to light is essentially my love language. And then as somebody with a 1-3 profile, I love deep learning. So all sorts of these concepts, these architectural concepts like placemaking, finding new uses for old buildings, making street level changes to positively affect behavior, active transportation. These are all topics that I nerd out on regularly. I read articles, I go to exhibits, that kind of thing. As a one line, I need to be constantly feeding the information monster inside of me. Think of me like Cookie Monster for ideas, essentially. I initially thought that it was the information and the visuals that I was really interested in because my cognition in human design is external vision, meaning I like to look at pretty things. I have definite ideas about what things should look like. But what Jeff pointed out to me that I hadn't realized is that the exhibit was a perfect representation of a kitchen's environment. And I'm kitchen's environment in human design. It had this like Friday night energy, like there was a DJ, there was a bar. The students were really excited to show off their work to their people. And there was this very obvious coming together, what with the work being their final project of the semester, that sort of thing. So my brain, the entire time we were there at the exhibit, felt like it was tingling. Being in kitchen's energy is me at my most aligned. And what's interesting is that there was so much to look at with this event that we actually only made it through one of the two buildings. And so I went back on a weekday to see the rest. And although I still enjoyed it, that kitchen's feeling was noticeably absent when the venue was like quiet and empty of people and during the daytime. What I love most about human design is that it gives me this language around my own alignment that I didn't have before. Now I understand more what I like about what I like if that makes sense. That helps me to seek out more of that and create more of that alignment. Which brings me to the coolest part of today's episode. Something that is feeling very aligned for me right now is actually to create another podcast. I'm surprising myself with this one because honestly, one podcast takes enough time and energy just to make it work. But an idea came to me this week in the last week of April, and I just know that I need to run with it. So much of what I do with Clear Quartz Creative is very instructional. It's like how to do this. With the exception of this alignment report series, where I'm a bit more personal, a bit more rambly, hopefully in a good way. I'm looking forward to this idea in that it's going to be a business adjacent podcast. What that means is that it's still going to be geared towards my same target audience of service-based small business owners. So if you're listening to this, you'll probably enjoy listening to that. But it also has the energy of human design and the lifestyle aspect of that. Rather than trying to teach you about human design, it's going to be about the lived experience of entrepreneurs. Like in the last section of the podcast where I just explained to you what about the architecture exhibit really lit me up according to my design, the podcast is going to be a little bit like that from the lens of human design, but also the lived experience of entrepreneurs. The description for it came to me super quickly. If I believed that I could channel, I would say it was channeled. I think the best way to share that with you is just to read it. It's still super new, this idea, so it might change a little bit before the podcast goes live, but I think I'm just going to read you the description. Okay, found it in my notes. Here goes. Welcome to the Human Design Profiles, an entrepreneurship podcast where each episode profiles a human design enthusiast slash entrepreneur. My guests are service providers like you who are growing their brands and having that experience in the context of their personal profile lines. I'm your host, Chantel, and I'm a 1-3. I'm also a manifesting generator, a small business strategist, workshop facilitator, and the writer and publisher of Facet, a quarterly print subscription for small business owners. True to my 1-3 profile, this podcast is an active learning experiment on how we satisfy our desires for self-awareness and how we experience entrepreneurship. 
Have a listen as we read between the lines with today's guest. That's it. That's the podcast idea. I'm really excited to share it here first. Hasn't gone out on my social, hasn't gone out on my stories, not in my email. You right now listening to it on the alignment report, that's the first time that I'm putting this idea out into the universe. When I was telling my friend Val about it, and she hosts the Women's Empowerment Podcast, which I'll link to in show notes, she said that she was excited because I sound excited, which is a beautiful confirmation for a manifesting generator because we're literally meant to follow what we're most passionate about in the moment. That's why we change jobs so often. That's why we pivot so much and we travel. So following this feeling is super aligned for me all the time, but especially right now. And I just wanted to share that excitement with you too. From there, let's shift into not aligned by way of something that started aligned and then turned out not to be. I want to share this because I think it's very common that we start something new, we're excited about it, and then the whatever it is fizzles faster than we expected. As a three line, I need to try things myself to know if they work for me before I know for sure. I can't really rely on other people's lived experience. I need to like touch the hot stove and burn myself first. I did that once with sugar. It was extremely painful. Anyways, a new thing that I tried this month was being part of a collab group. It was called the Dream 100, and then it was called Ready, Set, Collab by Jordan of System Saved Me. I respect her very much as an entrepreneur, and I love what she put together. She had designed this experience as a trial offer for a new group, and so she designed it as an alternative to paying a company to find you guest speaking and collab opportunities. It was a very quick yes for me to join. I probably spent three minutes deciding whether or not to do it. And then as soon as I was in it, I found myself ghosting the program. I was one of the last people to write my intro. I wasn't checking the Slack very much. I didn't prioritize going to the call live. These are all big red flags for me, showing me that my energy had already peaked when I showed interest and then my energy for it immediately went away. Hmm, interesting, right? I was committed for the month, and so once a week or so, I'd check out what was going on, but mostly I could still tell that the energy that I had for it was just not coming back. And that's not to say that there was anything wrong with the offer. I liked the concept of it. I liked the people in the membership. The deliverables were interesting. It was well executed. I just wasn't in that place anymore. It was aligned, and then it wasn't aligned. And I'm sharing this because there doesn't always have to be this big reason behind alignment and non-alignment. It's okay for something to feel right and then for that to change. And it's okay for that to happen relatively quickly, especially if your type is a manifesting generator, mind you, but this can happen just in general. What's important, or at least what I think is important, is for you to listen to it. I tried my best to not be beating myself up for joining and then not fully participating. And instead, I just let it be a lesson in listening to myself rather than this punitive thing where I'm shaming myself for making an investment that I'm not following through on. I'm sure this sort of thing has happened for you too. And I just wanted to remind you that how you deal with it is what really matters. So to the best of your ability, learn the lesson the experience was meant to teach you and then move on. A new connection of mine and a new subscriber of Facet, she listened to a bunch of episodes of the show recently, and she said to me that she likes the alignment reports because I try to find the lesson in what's not aligned, and I'm like, yeah, that's totally what I do. That's the idea. I want you to not beat yourself up about things. I want you to instead learn how to acknowledge them and learn from the lesson so that you can bring that positive impact into your next experiences. It's okay to try things and it's okay to decide that they aren't right for you. Next up in Not Aligned, bit of a rapid topic switch, I am closing down my VIP offer. It took me a long time to learn this lesson. Speaking of lessons, although I had several clients go through the offer and get good results, I don't know that I was ever really, really feeling it. I've had the offer for over two years. In this time, I've never made a sales page for it on my website. 
that's red flaggy behavior for me. Little Miss loves to update her website. So partly in response to that, partly in response to consumer trends, because I think that people are leaning more towards lower ticket offers right now rather than expensive go all in kind of offers. And just partly in response to my own feelings about it, I won't be taking on any more VIP clients. I did have some grand plans of expanding the VIP offer every time a new issue of Facet came out, it was going to match the topic. And while I still think that conceptually that's a good idea, I'm still not going to pursue it anymore. Reason being, the the action call container still works for each of those issues and topics. And so it actually makes the VIP offer kind of unnecessary. You don't need to spend a whole weekend with me working through your process for testimonials. You can learn it from Facet and then you can get support from me personally on an action call. You don't need this like immersive self-retreat kind of experience with me to establish your brand voice. You can get the issue of Facet, write most of it yourself. And then if you want, you can get on an action call with me for my feedback and my reflections. See, I think this is going to work a lot better for all of us going forward. I love that at this stage in my business, I just give myself permission to let go of things like that. Like, you want to let go of VIP? Permission granted. <laughs> also not a line for me this month, I slipped up in my habits again, but I learned something new, so that's good. As my walk time went down this month, the lowest amount of steps so far in 2023, which if you know anything about the climate in Winnipeg where I live, you know it makes like absolutely no sense that I walked more in February than I did in April. As my walking time went down, as my steps went down, my screen time increased. So what I'm getting from this is that the amount of time that I have that's technically responsibility free, that amount of time is what it is. I just choose to spend it differently some months. And knowing that and seeing the numbers, I would much rather walk than waste my time on Instagram on my phone. And so looking at it this way is going to help me, I think, to make better choices as I go. Now let's talk about the most meaningful actions. In April, I hosted the first subscriber call for Brand Voice. We had a great discussion about writing bios and on being too wordy. And then I turned both of those questions into podcast episodes. Those are going to be airing sometime this month. Have a look for those, I think, um, three and four weeks from now. This call was the highest attended subscriber call yet. Very exciting for me to be gathering people and connecting them through Facet. That is very dream fulfilling for me. I'm so grateful to those of you who have said, yes, I'm interested in developing one facet of my business at a time and joining the subscriber community. Also very meaningful, I prioritized real world events this month. I went to a networking event, an open house, trivia night, two games nights, probably a few other things that I'm forgetting right now. Getting back out there feels really good. It is one of my goals this year and I feel like I made great progress on that this month. I also read a lot. 12 books finished in April, which might be a new record for me. Almost all of those were from the library paper copies as opposed to just audiobooks. I'm just really enjoying spending my time this way. I also decided to pause my journaling practice, which I referenced recently in my weekly newsletter that I send out on Wednesdays. If you're not getting that and you want to be, send me your email, we'll get you on that list. Journaling was feeling like a positive habit, but one that was taking up too much of my time. I'm on pause right now to decide which aspects of journaling I want to keep and which parts that I want to adapt, which parts I want to let go of. On a personal level, I closed a big stress loop that is, it's pretty embarrassing to share. Here goes, alignment reports are nothing if not transparent. I went to a friend's wedding in the summer of 2021 and I only brought her her gift this month in 2023. I was supremely embarrassed about this. Like it played in a loop in my mind from the wedding day to now. I just couldn't seem to get my act together to actually like follow through on the whole gift thing. Like first I was missing a card and then I didn't have a box and then I just walked by it every day for years, I guess. 
I just wasn't able to follow through and finish this and I got really hard on myself about it. Like, I apologized to my friend multiple times, but I just couldn't get myself to finish it. I finally did in April and I brought her the gift and it was honestly such a load off my shoulders to complete this. I've been feeling really inadequate around it. Like, who goes to a wedding and doesn't send a gift, right? I just, I felt really bad about it. And plus the wedding was, of course, very fancy. Ugh. I I can't explain why I couldn't get my act together for so long. I'm just really glad that I finally did. I'm glad I was brave enough to tell you here because apparently vulnerability is good for us. (laughs) Lastly, another meaningful action This also relates to a mistake of mine. You might remember me talking last month about the misprint of this current issue of Facet, where left pages became right pages and the order of pages got messed up. Well, on the Facet call, a subscriber who's holding the issue in their hands asked me to explain what was wrong with it, looking kind of bewildered. The same issue that I held in my hands, feeling down about, she couldn't figure out what was actually wrong with the printing. And then another subscriber, who's also a close friend, when she messaged to tell me she got hers in the mail, I asked her, I'm like, okay, how bad is it? And she's like, I'm still not sure what you mean by it got printed wrong. I'm sharing this to remind you that your own perspective on your own business stuff is just that. It's your perspective. And that is so different than other people's perspective, which makes sense, right? Like your own view of your business is so close. It's detailed. It's it's obsessive, really. Yet the people on the other end are going to be so much more forgiving. All that to say, whatever you're stressing about right now, please remind yourself that it might not look quite the same from the other side. Try to take the other perspective sometimes, try that on, and give yourself the grace that others are going to be more inclined to give you. With that, we're wrapping up April. Take some time today now that you've finished listening to my alignment report to complete one of your own. What lessons did April teach you about what is feeling aligned for you, what's not aligned, and which of your actions were most meaningful? Thanks for listening, and may you bring these lessons forward with you this month. Thank you for listening to the Aligned Action Podcast. I hope this episode has helped you take the first step to turn your ideas and insights into income. For one-on-one guidance and done-for-you solutions, visit clearquartzcreative.co to see how we can work together. If you loved this episode, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Each review helps me to help more entrepreneurs like you dig deeper and get crystal clear. Until next week, remember... You're a gem. Every intention you set and every action you take is an expression of being the brilliant business owner you already are.